Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Pity we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this gun with through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! Monday and welcome to the boring show. That's right. This is a boring radio program. I'll caution you right now. If you're new to the program and you believe in things like an objective reality and you have common sense, in other words, if you have a brain and you're not delusional, you're going to find the Richard Serrett Show boring. There's nothing controversial said on this program. Now, having said that, it can be uh, quite comforting to have your common sense and your objective reality affirmed by someone such as myself. Especially since just about everywhere else on the radio and on television and in virtually every institution you'll hear people spouting nonstop delusions and nonsense. So you might want to just hang here with me for the next two hours because this is a safe space for conservatives, a safe space for people with common sense. But nothing controversial is espoused on this program. There are two sexes, male and female. A woman is a biological female adult human. Only women can get pregnant. See what I mean? Nothing controversial. CO2 is not a pollutant. It is a nutrient. The world is not ending due to man-made climate change. Fossil fuels 
are a miracle and are responsible for creating prosperity and for making much of the world safer and more hospitable for humans. Cloth masks, including N95 medical masks, do not prevent the spread of a respiratory virus. Immunity from a previous respiratory infection is more effective than a vaccine. Lockdowns during COVID did tremendous damage. Lockdowns killed. Lockdowns were the worst peacetime policy blunder in human history. Nothing controversial about any of those things. Unless unless you find the truth to be controversial. And of course, the left hates the truth. They hate truth, beauty, and goodness. So welcome to the boring truth, beauty, and goodness show. Now, this is rich. Ontario doctors and uh, the leader of Ontario's crazy unhinged NDP are blasting the Ford government for ending what was a very temporary measure during the pandemic, namely health care for the uninsured. The Ontario Medical Association says it first learned of the pending suspension on Friday. In other words, the Ford government announced, unless you have an OHIP card, no free ride. So the OMA issued a statement saying it received notice from the government that the Physician and Hospital Services for Uninsured Persons program would wind down as of March 31st. And then the Ministry of Health later confirmed the decision and and, uh, the end date. OMA President Dr. Rose Zacharias said her organization, which represents the province's doctors, is, quote, extremely concerned about the government's decision to end the program. We know that it was providing care for particularly marginalized, vulnerable patients that we care for, she said in an interview. How predictable. How trite. The abrupt discontinuation of this program, we believe, could be quite detrimental to the livelihood of some of our patients. Zachariah said the uh, move will affect patients who face barriers that prevent them from getting a health card in Ontario. She said those could include some people experiencing homelessness, those facing language barriers or mobility issues, many newcomers, foreign workers and international students. Criteria listed on the province's website shows residents wanting to get or renew or replace their health card in Ontario need to submit three separate original identification documents, one proving they have Canadian citizenship or eligible immigration status, one proving they live in Ontario, and another confirming their identity. But that's a barrier. That's a barrier. I think I had to have three pieces of identity identification when I got my blockbuster video card. Uh, Ontario established the program in 2020, and I mean, what I mean by the program is the uh, Physician and Hospital Services for Uninsured Persons program. In other words, free health care for everybody. Free health care for all my friends. Anyway, the Ford government uh, established the program in 2020 near the start of the COVID-19 pandemic to pay hospitals and physicians for medical services provided to patients who don't have provincial health coverage. And this program was introduced as a measure to support residents during the pandemic at a time when border closures and travel restrictions made it difficult to leave the province. 
Now, with lower rates of COVID and the ending of public health restrictions, the province is winding down its pandemic response measures to focus resources on delivering services Ontarians need the most. You know, the people that reside in the province. In other words, the OMA and the crazy unhinged NDP want health care to be free for everyone, not just Ontario residents. It was available to everyone during a pandemic, but prior to that, even when this province was governed by the crazy unhinged NDP under Bob Ray, health care was restricted to people with a health card, unless, of course, it was an emergency. So was Bob Ray cruel? The OMA and the, uh, the leader of the NDP are totally divorced from reality. How can anyone take these people seriously? How about free rent? How about free dental care, free utilities, free everything for everyone who manages to sneak into the country? And here's the other thing. These fools are the very same people who wanted to deny health care and a life-saving organ to Canadian citizens who chose not to get the COVID jab. So deny Canadians proper health care and a job for that matter because they stood up for the fundamental right of bodily autonomy, but give free everything to illegal immigrants. That's insanity. The OMA and all of the hospital administrators and all of the public politicians and all the public health officials who supported denying life-saving organ donations to the unjabbed, all of those who supported denying the elderly the ability to see their families, who supported firing nurses and other workers who refused to be coerced. You are the cruel ones. Your behavior was and is unconscionable and vile and anti-Canadian. But the left, of course, they believe that no one is illegal. No such thing as borders. Everything, everything is a right. Housing is a right. Health care is a right. Nonsense. Health care is not a right. It's a commodity. Housing is a commodity. If those things are rights, why not clothing? Is clothing a right? Is Wi-Fi a right? How about electricity? Is that a right? The left would say yes. Yes. All of those things are rights. But refusing to take a rushed, experimental, ineffective, unproven jab, the left say that's not a right. Freedom is not a right. Bodily autonomy is not a right. But everything else, which is actually a commodity, they believe those things are rights. So you'll forgive me if I have great difficulty in taking the left seriously. A, uh, another horrible tragedy today. This time, a female shooter reported to be a 21-year-old Nashville resident killed three children and three adult staff members at the Covenant Christian School in Nashville this morning. The shooter was uh, killed by the Memphis Nashville, uh, sorry, Metro Nashville Police Department. Officials expect to provide more details in a conference later today. Very rare. It's very rare for the uh, perp in an active shooting incident to be a woman. 
In a uh, press conference following the shooting, police said a woman armed with two rifles and a handgun entered the private Christian school just after 10 a.m. through a side entrance. She then reportedly went to the second floor and fired multiple shots, according to a Nashville police spokesperson, uh, spokesperson Don Aaron. Have you noticed that when the shooter is a white male, the mainstream news narrative is about white supremacy? And when the shooter is a non-white male, or a non-male, the narrative suddenly is about gun control. So which narrative do you think will be peddled this time after this horrible tragedy? Now, the narrative should be, the narrative that should be pushed is that we have to stop making schools gun-free zones. Put properly trained, armed people in schools. You know, we guard money with people with guns. Why wouldn't we guard children with people with guns? All right, if you thought the uh, favored border crossing into Canada by illegal migrants, Roxham Road, was closed with the stroke of a pen, think again. Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News will be here last order of business. Uh, she's reporting that despite the agreement signed last week by visiting U.S. President Joe Biden and our crime minister, the crossing is still open. Sue Ann Levy from True North on the heroic parents in Waterloo Region who are standing up to the absurdly woke school board there. National Post columnist Barbara Kay will be here to talk about the normalization of medical homicide in this country. One in 30 deaths in Canada are now from euthanasia. Uh, this hour, the anti-woke book club with James Pugh. We'll also take your calls this hour at 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The, uh, the lines are now open if you want to get on board. But coming up next, Tom Korski from Blacklock's Reporter on the group of MPs that are demanding to question the special rapporteur, David Johnson. The Richard Saracho off and running for Monday, March 27th, 2023. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. So now MPs are uh, chomping at the bit, champing at the bit, actually. Champing, not chomping, champing at the bit uh, to uh, question special rapporteur uh, David Johnston on... um, allegations of election fraud by the communist Chinese. And uh, here with more, our good friend, Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Richard. Uh, so this comes uh, after last week, we talked about the House of Commons uh, passing a motion uh, demanding that the government form a public inquiry. Uh, and of course, you predicted that the uh, MPs would then ask to speak to David Johnston uh, since he has till what, um, like April, end of April to uh, is it end of April to come up with a decision on whether there should be a public inquiry held? Third week of May. Third week the of Prime May. Prime Minister is going to give this guy, oh, sure, months, just wander around, mull it over, Dave, take it easy. And there's all of this is behind closed doors. Johnson has never taken questions on this. He hasn't spoken to the public, hasn't spoken to reporters or opposition members. MPs said, the hell with that. This is about our elections. 
This is not about uh, David Johnson's personal itinerary and the Prime Minister's uh, impulse to keep this as quiet as possible. So MPs in the House Affairs Committee are saying, come on down. Notice of motion served. I think it's almost certain it's going to pass. And they want to question him. And that would be one, two hours. Tell us about this secret probe that you're doing. What are you mulling over? And by the way, how about your friendship with the prime minister? It gets complicated, Richard. I'll say. Uh, is this the same committee that will also question Katie Telford? And she's volunteered to, to, to appear before the committee. Same committee. She uh, she did volunteer. <laughs> Voluntold, I think is the word. <laughs> Voluntold. I like that. I like that. So uh, how come it's going to take so long um, to get Johnson to appear in front of this committee? I'm reading here in your in your piece that it's going to be like April, uh, end of April, April 24th. Oh, the, well, the prime minister has given them a long time to come up with a report. MPs haven't voted yet, but MPs will set their own deadline. And when, when the House Affairs Committee meets, they'll discuss this as early as tomorrow. And if they do, as we expect, which is pass a motion compelling Johnson to appear, then that will happen very promptly because they have a lot of questions. Right. Now, getting back to the um, motion that passed last week in the House of Commons, which compels, well, demanding that the government uh, form a public inquiry. I know I think I think we discussed this, but I, I just like to see if I can nail this down. Like, is there a is there a time frame un, um, under which the prime minister must now respond to this motion? I mean, he, he can't let that just he can't rag the puck on that motion, can he? No, he can't. Because, but MPs will always have another course of action that they can take. So. Indeed, when that motion passed that you mentioned, that's a House motion. I know it's, it seems sort of confusing, opaque, and needlessly complicated for people, but it's politics. It's not, about a, it's not contract law. So when MPs passed that motion, the Prime Minister did not immediately call a public inquiry. What was the response from the MPs, from the New Democrats of all people? said, oh, okay, if it's going to be that way, let's get Johnson in committee. We have lots of questions about his secret review. Let's get that old man up here to answer a couple of hours of questions about what his understanding is of Chinese subterfuge and the actions of communist agents in the last two elections. Well, that's going to be that's going to be a little awkward. So you see what I'm saying? There's always push me, pull you. That's always going to go on as until a public inquiry is called on the terms that MPs have asked for. How much pressure do you think Johnston is, is feeling right now, knowing that there's just been a motion passed demanding a public inquiry, and he has until the third week of May to decide whether he wants one? It, it's frankly, I, I think that's an excellent question that some MP is going to ask him when he appears, unless, of course, he chooses not to appear, and then, well, that's it, then it's over. But but there is this, frankly, we have to be candid, Richard, this ridiculous spectacle of the parliament of a G7 country demanding a public inquiry into something as serious as criminality, election fraud, and alleged subterfuge by communist Chinese agents. But the prime minister wants to wait for grandpa to come back in, in six weeks or so and, and get his opinion. That's kind of odd. It's it's got a uh, forgive me. It's got a kind of a Zaire feel. It doesn't have the feel of a G seven country. What kind of country 
solve serious problems of alleged criminality in this way? Well, that's what the prime minister wanted. And so far, parliament, which does have the hammer on this, have not said, okay, now that's enough. But I think that's where we're headed. Yeah, I think Johnson needs to get his bum in a seat in front of that affairs committee, like in the next couple of days. Uh, Tom, we'll take a quick time out. We'll talk about sunny ways, but sunny days for the prime minister. Uh, a Jamaican sun holiday, sun holiday for socks to the tune of $163,000 and uh, another expensive junket for our Governor General. Tom Korski, Managing Editor, Blacklocks Reporter, stays with us back with more of The Richard Serrett Show in three minutes. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's The Richard Serrett Show. All right, welcome back. Our Crime Minister, the Trust Fund brat, wants Canadians to understand that he uh, he's sympathetic to our plight and that uh, we're struggling. We're struggling. We can't afford to fly off and enjoy a sunny holiday. He especially said said that after he uh, arrived home after a one-week Christmas vacation that cost taxpayers $163,000. But he understands tough times. Tom Korski, Managing Editor, Blacklock's Reporter. Uh, thank God for these inquiry of ministry uh, questions, right? They're absolutely gold. What's an inquiry of ministry? That's where any MP, this, they're absolutely gold. Any member of parliament can put a, write down a question, pencil and paper, and submit it on any topic, and cabinet must re- reply within 45 days. Now, sometimes they try to stretch that, but they must reply. So here was a question, and it came from a very ordinary MP, and the question was, it was uh, Luke Bertold, a conservative from uh, uh, Lac Megata, Quebec. He said, hey, how much did that prime minister's trip to Jamaica at Christmas time cost taxpayers? And it came back, as you mentioned, Richard, $163,000. He was only there for a week. That's the RCMP cost of the government aircraft. RCAF flight crew spent a week hanging around the resort at Jamaica in case something came up. Meals, accommodation. Why is that interesting? Well, as you mentioned, quote, unquote, times are tough, the prime minister said, almost on the way to the airport. We recognize this holiday season will be difficult for many Canadians. It's, it's inflation, he said. We know Canadians are facing difficult times. He said that over and over. I'm I'm quoting. These are accurate quotes. Canadians are facing tough times right now. Right now, Richard. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Oh, oh, oh. 
Start Battery Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Get up to a $25 gift card after rebate with the purchase of select Superstart batteries. Our professional parts people will test your old battery for free and recommend the right battery for your vehicle. For power, performance, and reliability, choose Superstart batteries only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. But times would be even tougher if I wasn't in charge, she said. $163,000. Well, and, and I don't I don't begrudge, uh, you know, our prime ministers taking a holiday. Uh, but it's the hypocrisy here. First of all, as you mentioned, to come back from the holiday and, and talk about how he understands how we're having tough times with these uh, inflationary times. But then, as you point out in your article at blacklocks.ca, uh, he's saying a very different tune when he was uh, first a liberal backbencher and then the liberal leader when he was going after Stephen Harper. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. It. Oh, wait. <laughs> His speeches were tremendous. Trudeau is a backbench uh, MP back in the Harper days, 2013. Oh, he used to say families are struggling. He told the House of Commons in 2009, families are struggling to plan for the future. And, and the kids are listening to mom and dad argue about the bills. And, and these heartless monsters, <laughs> just, just how out of touch Harper is with needs of the middle class Canadians, he said. It brings tears to your eyes, Richard. Well, obviously, this kind of attitude, this callousness and cavalier attitude is endemic um, with not only within the liberal government, but also with the governor general. Yet another costly junket from G.G. Mary Simon. Boy, she likes to live high on the hog. It's all about sloganeering, though, isn't it? Uh, she flew $801,000, to, flew to a $801,000 four-day visit to a book fair in Frankfurt, Germany. She took 32 of her closest friends, including a poet, three press aides, uh, two photographers, and two doctors. $801,000 to fly to Frankfurt in Berlin. Why does that matter? I mean, it's a book fair. You're right. You're promoting books. Because speaking of speeches that would make Jesus weep, Governor General Mary Simon, just back in February, was talking about climate change. You know, like, uh, for instance, in theory, the greenhouse gas emissions you get from Challenger Chats. She said, you know, I'm quoting, we can't ignore how we do things is just as important as what we do, Richard. She said, we must find ways to move forward to act now when it's most critical to combat climate change. Look at the keywords here. Critical, must act, not woulda, coulda, shoulda. We have to act and not tomorrow, right now. But it's a right book now. fair. This is, it's a book fair, <laughs> Tom. It's life and death. <laughs> God bless them, Richard. <laughs> a book fair in Frankfurt. This is a matter of life. Well, that's money well spent. $801,000 on a book fair. Oh, dear. You have to laugh, Tom. Otherwise, we'd cry. Otherwise, we'd oh, cry. Oh, you do. Uh, you said it. Absolutely. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Please support independent media, blacklocks.ca. Tom, thanks. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Richard. All right. Let's open up the lines. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The numbers to get on board. Join the conversation. The Richard Serrett Show and your calls right after these. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. 
289 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Uh, coming up this hour, James Pugh will be here for the uh, Anti-Woke Book Club. He has another book title recommendation for you. Uh, for your uh, library and to uh, fight back in the culture war. This one is called Cynical Theories, How Activist Scholarship Made Everything About Race, Gender, and Identity, and Why This Harms Everybody. Uh, That's uh, James Pugh, the Anti-Woke Book Club, coming up next. Right now, uh, we go to the phone lines and we say hello to uh, Andy is calling from Toronto. Andy, welcome to The Richard Serrett Show. Hello, Richard. This is Andy. I want to say, first of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This station, you and Mark, if it wasn't for you two, I'd be completely ignorant to what's going on because the news is absolutely unbearable. So you and Mark are doing a fantabulous job uh, keeping us informed of the real important issues because global CTV City, CBC, they're all trash. So a million times, thank you. You guys are awesome. Thank you. I thank you for listening. All right. What's on your mind, Andy? Uh, my The thing on my mind was, uh, you know, there, there, this constant talk about gun violence, gun violence, gun violence with that shooting in the States today. Uh, you know, it occurred to me there were two stabbings on the TTC on the weekend. One person died. I don't know if the second person died. But there was no mention of knife violence at all. Um, But when somebody uses a gun, it's gun violence this and gun violence that. Um, And it occurs to me like it's only when a gun is is involved, it's it's the inanimate object that seems to be the problem. Um, Not when it's it's a knife or if it's, you know, know, drunk driving, you you don't blame the car. Um, So uh, for me, that just tells me that what there's a plan to disarm us so that, you know, they can do whatever they want to us. Well, they've already succeeded in Canada. We already are disarmed. (laughs) We already are disarmed in Canada. Unfortunately, we gave that, we gave it up without a fight. Well, we're still technically, we still have the right to own arms, but I mean, uh, that's the only reason why they call it gun violence because they want to disarm people so they can do to us whatever the hell they want to do. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, thank you a million times for all the great work that you guys are doing. And I, I try every time I can to share your podcast on uh, social media so that other people can uh, know about your show. And I think part of your growth is uh, because of me. So there you go. Well, I think great work. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate you being such a fine ambassador for the program. And uh, uh, it, it's, it, he makes a very valid point. When it's uh, stabbings, we don't hear people talking about, well, we've got to uh, stem the, uh, the, the, the trade in illegal knives. Um, it is largely, a, you know, it's been a, a politicized issue, obviously, obviously. All right, let's say hi to uh, Dave is calling from North York. Dave, welcome Uh, to Saga 960 and the Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Richard. I hope you're well. You're doing a great job on the show. I just wanted to take a minute. I was reading on the Internet today, and I was hoping maybe you could uh, enlighten me. Uh, Kudos to your uh, your crew there, too. They do a great, great job. But I was hoping you could enlighten me. I read something today on the Internet that said that the state of California is uh, in the process 
of making reparations to all the black people in California who can prove that they have ancestry going back to uh, slavery. And they're looking at dishing out $360,000 per person. It's going to cost the state almost $650 billion. And it's a serious movement that, from what I read, could actually happen. I was just wondering if you know much about it or if you have any comment on that. Uh, I didn't know the dollar value. It, it seems to me that in uh, in addition to that, uh, San Francisco is talking about $5 million uh, per black citizen, who again, and I don't know – you know what documentation they have to prove? Yeah, it's it's um, it's absolute uh, insanity. I mean, <laughs> California uh, will be um, uh, bankrupt. I mean, they they already are bankrupt, but there's just there's no way that that that's sustainable. Um, my my feelings on reparations are this: um, about six hundred thousand soldiers died during the Civil War. To free the slaves, that's your reparations right there. Full stop. Reparations have been paid. So, what, I mean, you're going to tax people in, in, in California. Uh, let's say a, um, a woman who emigrates to Sacramento from Romania. Romania. And uh, she's working, uh, I don't know, she's a new arrival. She's trying to, you know... Um, make her way into uh, American society. Maybe she starts off waiting tables. And so she's going to pay reparations. I don't know. And then the other question is Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, she is the descendant. She is a descendant of a slave owner in Jamaica. So does she does she pay reparations as a resident of California or does she receive reparations? That's kind of a quandary. Thank you for your call, Dave. The uh, Anti-Woke Book Club coming up next. Not to be missed. It's an appointment tune. You've got to add to your library, your Anti-Woke Library, and my next guest, James Pugh, with uh, WokeWatchCanada.com is here to help. Stay with us. The Richard Serrett Show, back with more right after these. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Maybe you've heard that uh, language is violence and uh, that science is sexist. Uh, Math is white supremacy. Punctuality is uh, colonialism. Uh, Maybe you've read that certain people shouldn't practice yoga or cook Chinese food. That's cultural appropriation. Uh, Fat is the new healthy. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. 
Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. No such thing as biological sex. Only white people can be racist. If you've ever wondered where did this radical progressive scholarship originate, you're going to want to check out a, uh, a new book. And here to tell us, not a new book, but a, an important book. It's been out a couple of years, but here to tell us all about it is James Pugh, independent writer, father, entrepreneur, covering the culture wars. And he writes a blog at Woke Watch Canada. James, welcome back. How are you? I'm a little cynical today. <laughs> well, that's the name of the book, Cynical Theories, How Activist Scholarship Made Everything About Race, Gender, and Identity, and Why This Harms Everybody. Uh, tell us about the book. All right. This, is, Like you said, this is an important book. Uh, it can be maddening to go through these ideas. These can be frustrating ideas, but it's important to, to understand them and to know how to identify them. So, uh I found a little quote from the book near the beginning uh, that situates what this book is about within the culture war. So what she says, or what they say, the two authors, uh, we have reached a point in history where the liberalism and modernity at the heart of Western civilization are at great risk on the level of ideas that sustain them. So within this culture war, the politics of it, we have two general liberal pressures threatening uh, liberalism. One is the, rev the revolutionary far left, uh, progressivism, globalism, and the other is the reactionary far right um, populism. So these two sides um, see each other as existential threats. Um, but this book is not about right wing populism. It's about the left wing movement. And where it situates the left today is it says the left, the modern left represents a departure from its historical point, which was rooted in reason, enlightenment and rationality. And so the left has departed from its roots in that in that sense. Right. Um, and as you say, this is um, um, well, it, the authors are not um, taking, you know, the the populist position here necessarily because they do acknowledge, you know, there is we can't be complacent about, you know, thinking that that, that that a just society has 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 been fully achieved I mean they're not they're saying we still have to push for for a just society but again the, the these this toxic uh, ideology has just gone way too far and it's 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 hurting the very people that they're they, they claim the left that is that they claim to be fighting for absolutely um, to, right after they situate it within the culture war there, they get into the nuts and bolts and we talk about wokeism, the social justice movement, whatever you want to call it. It says uh, they frame it as it, it holds two um, anti-liberal and anti-universalist approach to Western critique. And so everyone knows those now. They're getting popular, right? One is the critical theory and the other is postmodernism. So uh, I took a few things from the book. I figured we would just it's a lot to unpack. So we'll just focus on the postmodernism because yes. next week we'll bring something in critical theory. So we're talking about the ideas of Foucault, Derrida, Lyotard. Um, but it's also worth noting that postmodernism is an offshoot of critical theory. It comes from that. But it is a group of theoretical concepts that are related to the nature of knowledge, power and language. Um, and a couple of examples of the of these theories is relativism 
This is where everyone has their own truth. And in postmodernism, we reify it. It's reified postmodernism. So these things are made concrete. They're made real. And then the other one I, I kind of looked at, if there's time to talk about it, would be queer theory, because that's right out of the same postmodern machinery as, as relativism is. Right. This, yeah. So the, all of this wokeism, uh, critical theory, it comes out of French postmodernism. All right. So queer theory, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> queer theory is the liberation from the normal. Uh, it is, it regards things like categories, like categories like sex and gender. These are seen as oppressive. In fact, the act of categorizing things is an oppressive Western thing to do. And, and, and queer theory is about dissolving that. Um, what's interesting about queer theory too, is it absolutely relies on the postmodern knowledge principle, which holds that there is no objective reality, but it also relies on the postmodern political principle which holds that society is structured entirely of a system of unjust power, of systems of unjust power. Right. So, for example, uh, Black Lives Matter, and I'm not talking about the sentiment, which we all agree with, or any normal human being would agree with that Black Lives Matter. I'm talking about the organization, capital BLM. Um, it It was stated as one of their missions on their website. They since have taken it down. Uh, because it was hurting with their donations, I think. Uh, and that, that was the, basically they saw the nuclear family as, as again, this patriarchal oppressive system that has, has to be dismantled. Uh, so that would be an, an example of what you're talking about. That idea is entirely consistent with queer theory. I've gone, I've seen them go as far as say that childhood itself is performative. That is. That it's not real, that it's a patriarchal structure and children are just f- falling into that role, performing what they're expected to do as children. And I have two little kids. They're, they're, not, they're not doing that at all. They're totally doing their own thing. They don't care about anyone's structure. They certainly don't care about my structure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Uh, that is um, r- to me, what the left is all about and the, the radical progressive left is about destroying distinctions. Um, and, you know, I was listening to Dennis Prager the other day talking about and I'm, and I'm reading his his book on on Genesis. She breaks down verse by verse by verse. And that's what the book of Genesis uh, is all about. God creating the world and then creating distinctions the distinction between man and nature man and animals men and women uh good good and evil so the left really is the antithesis of the bible yeah it's dissolving distinctions dissolving categories dissolving traditions really flattening everything it's 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 deconstruction i mean if we if that if the the academic term out of postmodernism since we're talking about that is deconstruction and they analyze and they deconstruct everything until they utterly deflate it of all meaning. And that's the work that they do. That's the struggle they're involved in. They call that having a critical consciousness. It's called chaos is what it is. And that's what the left stands for. Chaos. Uh, cynical theories, how activist scholarship made everything about race, gender and identity and why this harms everybody by Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay. And uh, you can add that to your anti-woke book library. Uh, James uh, has a list of all of the books that we've discussed. 
at WokeWatchCanada.com, where he writes a blog, WokeWatchCanada.com. James, great work. Thank you so much. No problem. See you soon. All right. Bye for now. All right. Hour 208's Barbara Kay from the National Post and the Epoch Times and the Post Millennial, very busy writer, uh, will be here to talk about the normalization of medical assistance in dying. Uh, to me, that's a very polite word or a phrase, medical assistance in dying. What it really is, is uh, medical homicide. And now it's been normalized in this country. Did you know that one in 30 deaths now in this country come from euthanasia? Barbara Kay will be here second hour to discuss. Sue Ann Levy from True North. We'll talk about uh, some heroic parents in the wacky Waterloo Region District School Board who are standing up to the school board's woke antics. And uh, also, Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News will be here. We'll talk about Roxham Road. Is it closed? Is it open? What's happening? Hour 2 awaits in uh, mere moments. Don't go away. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell! Welcome to Hour 2. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, a whole bunch, but uh, don't beat yourself up still. Plenty of great programming coming your way uh, this hour. We'll uh, speak with Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief, uh, about Roxham Road. Uh, I thought with a stroke of a pen, it's uh, it's been closed off to illegal migrants. After uh, visiting President uh, Grampy Beijing, Joe Biden was here with our crime minister last week, but uh, apparently not. Uh, we'll get the details from Sheila Suen Levy from True North will be here talking about these heroic parents that are starting to finally. This is this does a heart good learning about these more and more parents now stepping up and um, this one in wacky Waterloo region where they're standing up to the uh, the most unhinged school board there uh, and their woke antics. Uh, right now, I want to talk about something also very near and dear to me and something we discuss a lot about on this program. I call it medical homicide. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. 
Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. It uh, has a uh, sort of a more uh, opaque term, medical assistance in dying, but it's, it's medical homicide. And uh, once upon a time, some may have thought, well, it was reasonable if someone has a foreseeable death and that foreseeable death is likely to bring about a great deal of suffering. Why not allow that person to choose the manner and the time of their death? But now, of course, it's gone completely off the rails, as was predicted at the time. And uh, now it's going to be extended to uh, the mentally ill, minor children, maybe the poor, maybe the poor even. Um, it's very Dickensian, to say the least, and Hitlerian. I know that uh, that's everything is Hitlerian these days. You know, curfews. Oh, that's Hitlerian. No, but this truly is Hitlerian, what's happening in this country. And other countries are taking notice as well. And they see Canada now as uh, a cautionary tale. Barbara Kay uh, recently wrote a, a very poignant piece on this very subject about the normalization of uh, MAID, medical assistance in dying. And um, Barbara is a writer for the National Post, the Epoch Times, the Post Millennial, and also co-author of a terrific book, Unsporting, How Trans Activism and Science Denial Are Destroying Sport. Barbara, welcome back. How are you? I'm fine, Richard. Good to be here with you. Uh, I mentioned, and uh, well, this, these are your words, that uh, increasingly other countries are looking at Canada and what's happening with our uh, policy of medical assistance in dying. They're looking at us as a cautionary tale. Um, can you just kind of expand on that a little bit? I mean, who's watching and who, and who's saying what? Well, this this is a subject that is being debated a lot in other countries. Um, but I have seen this term, a cautionary tale, not only in Canada, one of my colleagues used that, uh, but also, for example, uh, I was reading a, a, a British magazine that I like very much. It, it's, it's a p- political and other subjects. And a writer for that magazine, it was interesting, he was talking about bad domestic public policies in his own country uh, that arose from good intentions that bring about bad policies. And just as an example, the first example that he reached for was our uh, euthanasia program, and which he described as originally marketed as a rational choice for sensible adults and therefore an indisputable moral good it is now being used to kill the poor and the mentally ill as well as the physically sick and the elderly so he he happened to know about it that means that it has been making the news uh, internationally and in the united states i've read several critiques uh, a lot more hostile than that one i can assure you uh, so uh, people are paying attention at the swiftness. It's not that we have the worst uh, or, or the most far-reaching program, because in the Netherlands and Belgium, these these have been uh, euthanasia laws have been in effect for some years. But each new, you know, each new level 
has been uh, discussed publicly. There have been, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about it. Ours went from zero to 60. It seems like it started in 2015. Here we are eight years later, and we are now considered the most permissive country in the world with regard to uh, ease, ease of access to medical assistance. Even liberal, very liberal publications like uh, the New York Times and I believe Atlantic uh, Mm -hmm. were aghast uh, at what is happening up here vis-a-vis our medical assistance in dying. And the – was it the editorial board at the – I always hate to say the name of this newspaper, the Toronto Star. uh, (laughs) Editorial board there were interviewing uh, David Lametti, our our, uh, uh, justice minister, and and were also aghast – at uh, his thoughts on on speeding up medical assistance in dying. Yes, uh, I think across Canada there there is a great deal of discomfort about this issue. Um, I, the one the one that I had seen, you're right, at the Atlantic, the New York Times. I had also seen the National Review wrote an extremely uh, an extremely negative piece on on uh, on on our system. But yes, it's it's attracting attention, and it should because. Uh, David Lametti has said, "This is we, we're doing this on a step by step basis." They didn't; they knew they couldn't do it all at once. But everybody in their circle is is approving of it going forward. They want to see mature minors able to ask for and get. Uh, and 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 all of these steps happened in the Netherlands, and eventually it came to killing infants who, you know, didn't have terrific prospects. Once you start down this road, these people that are fascinated by death. Do you remember Doctor Kevorkian in the United oh, yes. States? Doctor Death. Well, I, I, yeah, and his attitude was he he couldn't leave it alone. He just couldn't wait to be at the bedside of somebody who wanted to die. Uh, people that join the Hemlock Society, there's a kind of obsession with it of making sure that anybody that wants it can get it and that they get it from the state which is another one of my grievances. Uh, I don't, I'm not in principle opposed to people with extremely serious conditions or even people that are consenting adults to their own death if they want to commit suicide. That's a private business. That's a private affair. But I do, do object strongly to it being the state that takes on that function and the healthcare system. This should not be part of our healthcare system. Uh, you draw a comparison between what's happening in Canada, and we'll get to the numbers here in a moment, which are absolutely startling. Uh, Canada compared to another incredibly illiberal jurisdiction, and that would be California, uh, that also enacted their version of MAID at the same time in 2016. Mm-hmm, that's right. And the numbers between the two countries in terms of uh, uh, who has taken advantage of it uh, are, are very startling. Let me just... Uh, uh, yes, consider uh, California has the same population as Canada, and it legalized, as you say, in 2016. So in 2021, 486 Californians availed themselves of their program. In that same year, 10,064 Canadians ended their lives with uh, made. Uh, by the way, this term is only used in Canada. Uh, it was stolen from palliative care which medical assistance in dying is exactly what palliative care does. Uh, So the numbers are startling. Uh, That means one in 30 Canadians who dies in Canada dies voluntarily uh, through need. 
And not only that, but on their death certificate, you will not find euthanasia as the cause of their death. You will find whatever the underlying complaint was, whether it was heart disease or depression, or that'll be coming up, mental illness. Uh, or homelessness. They, or homelessness. Or homel- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, they, don't, they don't even want it recorded. The numbers are getting so high. Uh, it's kind of shocking. So they, you know, uh, they will go ahead. At this, at this rate, and because they are looking to expand it, as you say, um, and I, 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 I don't think there's much doubt that they're already euthanizing the mentally ill. In fact, there was a woman who was kind of Canada's Dr. Death who was, she happens to be also an abortionist. She was bragging about it and laughing about it in a video um, taking yeah. credit, the, but so they're, they're, they're already euthanizing the mentally ill. But once they once it increases uh, in in scope, uh, is it would it be an exaggeration to to suggest that that medical homicide, as I call it, could become the number one cause of death in this country within I don't know half a generation? Oh, I think uh, no doubt about it, Richard. I think it's already the second or third cause of death. So why shouldn't it be the first? Uh, I think it will be encouraged. It's openly encouraged in uh, one of the one of the people that I featured in this column is a very uh, severely disabled man, Roger Foley, who has been living in in a hospital in London, Ontario. Uh, He has complained numerous times that they keep reminding him. Uh, He's only 48 years old. His mind is sharp as a tack. He can use his computer with assistance. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this man's mind, and his will to live is is uh, just as powerful as any other, uh, you know, able-bodied person. But they keep reminding him, or they used to, anyways, until he made it public. And I think maybe they stopped. Uh, it's it's. I I think this is so cruel uh, to do to people, uh, and I think the disabled feel uh, especially targeted because they know that the people that, that, that write these bills and that, that push it through, they know that those people think they have no human dignity. Uh, they describe human dignity as being physically autonomous and mentally autonomous. And once you need assistance uh, for your, you know, to survive, you have automatically registered yourself on the opposite column as living without dignity. This, this is a burden, a mental burden that the disabled in this country have to bear. They know that they are in the minds of the people that are pushing these bills, second class citizens, and that these people wish that they would do their civic duty and ask for uh, assisted death. Barbara, we'll take a quick time out and come back and continue uh, to discuss medical homicide. Canada is the medical homicide capital of the world. Congratulations, Canada. Uh, Barbara Kay with the National Post, the Epoch Times and the Post Millennial stays with us back with more of our conversation in two minutes. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. A very important piece in the National Post uh, from last week. By uh, Barbara Kay. Thanks to Trudeau, Canada's death care system is top of the line. That's so true. Like if you need an MRI uh, or you need cancer surgery, good luck. You could wait six months. But um, you want to uh, you want medical assistance in dying? Hey, we've got six beds. No waiting. Uh, so, Barbara, we were um, we were talking about, you know, California, California. Uh, 
they passed medical assistance in dying or euthanasia back in, well, the same time that, that we did. Uh, and yet about 460 some people um, use medical assistance in dying or take advantage of that. Uh, and now it's up to what, 10,000 a year in Canada, did you say? More, more than 10,000 a year. Okay. I can, I can see the numbers going up very dramatically. Uh, year by year, yeah, and they want to expand it. Even though I think it's there's very good reason to believe they're already terminating the mentally ill. Um, in fact, I, I mentioned that doctor; she bragged about it once. Uh, there was a, a particular individual who had been turned down for medical assistance in dying because he was mentally ill. She flew him to her abortion clinic in Vancouver and uh, um, bragged about euthanizing him. Uh, and then laughed about it. But um, what is what is the next step for these uh, purveyors of euthanasia? Where, where do they want to take it next? You mentioned minor children. Uh, yes, the men- mentally ill advance advance uh, requests. Uh, many people have said. I'm sure you may even have friends who have said, "Well, I know one thing. If I knew that I uh, had Alzheimer's, I wouldn't want to wait until I didn't recognize my family anymore, and I didn't." I, I, until I couldn't take care of myself, I'd want to, I'd want to make sure that I, you know, uh, had, had, uh, assisted death way before that happened to me. So people say that, uh, but then what's the actual cutoff? Uh, you know, it becomes very unclear and, and people do change their minds, by the way. Um, very often the people who, who say, if I were disabled, if I had to live in a wheelchair, if I, this, I would want to die. You don't know what you would want until you're in the situation. So this idea of advance requests, I think, just is going to make everyone extremely nervous and extremely worried that if they don't fix a date, the minute that they hear that they have a prognosis of something that is debilitating, whether it's multiple sclerosis or whether it's you know ALS, these are all degenerative diseases. Uh, and at some point, it may be that they'll want that. But once they know that they have the privilege of asking to set a date, then it's on their mind all the time. Is it now? Is it now? And their families are are standing around waiting. So it changes the culture. It it changes an individual when they know that they can get something that they didn't know they could get before. And it changes families and it changes the entire culture. Our eyes are going to glaze over just like they do in the Netherlands. When people ask out of, I'm depressed, uh, I don't see any reason to live anymore. Uh, they've had these kind of deaths. Uh, my boyfriend broke up with me. I see no, and these are 55-year-olds, 60-year-olds, and they get it. And it's on, if, you know, it can be on the news. And I know one person from Canada who went to visit her relatives in the Netherlands saw on the news that a 59-year-old had, and she was horrified. And their, their eyes glazed over and she said, isn't that terrible? And they simply said, well, it's what she wanted. Uh, So she says that really shocked her and told her how a culture can change so quickly. It is a culture of death that we've cultivated in this country. Uh, So what is the plan then to do away with all of our suicide prevention lines? I mean, what's the point of those? You're right. And another question I have is why why are so many people devoted to uh, safe injection clinics and everything else? Uh, to save a single life of an addict who is committing slow suicide anyways, 
and is 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 uh, you know uh, completely drugged to the hilt every single day, and they are so concerned, God forbid, that this person should lose their life. I'm not saying these people deserve assisted death. What I'm saying is we have different standards for different people. What about prisoners that are in jail for the rest of their, in prison for the rest of their life? Maybe they should be asked, "Hey, you know what? You have no hope of getting out for the next twenty years. Would you like assisted? You know, you're costing the taxpayer a lot of money." Maybe you would like assisted death. How come they're not being asked? I'm getting to wonder whether there's a connection between the uh, environmental um, fanatics, uh, whether we are the carbon they would like to bring to net zero. <laughs> I think they are. They, they hate human beings. The, the extreme environmentalists, uh, they, they can't wait to see the, the, the population figures go down. They wish they would go down pretty well to zero. Uh, it's certainly by the time, you know, a lot of them won't have children because they, on the misguided principle that, uh, that it's, you know, every carbon footprint that they, that a child brings into the world is a crime. Honestly, it's the same. I agree with you. It's the same. It's the same impulse. All right. Well, Barbara, thank you so much. A terrific piece. Thanks to Trudeau. Canada's death care system is top of the line. That's at the uh, National Post. And I hope to speak with you again soon sometime. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Always good to have uh, the uh, opportunity to talk about these things. Barbara Kay, National Post, Epoch Times, Post Millennial. All right. When we come back, Sue Ann Levy from True North on these heroic pants, uh, parents in a Waterloo region standing up against that school board's woke antics. That conversation starts in about three minutes. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. I, I sense the, um, the resistance is finally starting to percolate in this country, particularly with school boards. Of course, we had uh, a number of protests at the uh, Holton Region School Board and uh, ultimately leading to, um, I guess, the suspension with pay of Busty Lemieux. And now there are um, indications, very hopeful signs, that something similar is happening at another crazy unhinged school board that would be waterloo region sue ann levy investigative reporter at true north is uh, following this story very closely sue ann welcome how are you i'm great how are you richard well i'm i'm actually uh you know pretty excited about uh you know these parents now finally approaching or, or de- you know demanding answers from these radical school trustees so what's been happening most recently at waterloo region district school board Well, the best thing is that there is a trans woman who's gotten involved with the parents who lives in that region, has a daughter in school in grade 11, and who uh, is speaking up against uh, the very radical trans activists. So that ends, uh, as far as I'm concerned, adds a whole host of credibility uh, to the argument and they can't call her transphobic. So what has happened is that Now, this group of people, including this uh, trans woman, are attending school board meetings. Another person by the name of David Todor, a woman who ran for uh, trustee and didn't win, um, who all have common sense and are asking very commonsensical questions, are turning up to meeting after meeting to try and demand answers, mainly about the curriculum around gender ideology. 
Right. And also you mentioned uh, David uh, Todor, who uh, um, was asking or demanding answers regarding the uh, the age inappropriate books in the school libraries. Right. Right. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. So, so um, he was, you know, I don't know about one of the first, but he he um, was uh, delivering a, his presentation, and that was followed up by a uh, a letter from the Waterloo Regional District School Board, which was kind of defamatory, right? Do we know who was responsible for that letter? Uh, well, I think of the board director, Jihan, Jiwan uh, Chanika, but he won't take responsibility. These bullies are always typically cowards. But it really started a year ago, Richard, when Carolyn Burjowski, uh, a 20-year teacher, stood before the board last January, January 22, and talked about the age inappropriateness of two books, one about um, transsexualism. Um, and the other about uh, possibly LGBT, you know, a kid who was questioning or maybe wasn't questioning, who knows. But she read from those books. She started to read from those books and was shut down. And the chairman of the board, who's no longer chairman, Scott Piotowski, Piotkowski, who's a radical leftist, um, he is now being sued by her to the tune of $1.7 million for defamation because he went out and did all kinds of interviews while they silenced her and threatened her with a job, um, calling her transphobic and saying that she was going to harm people with her questions. And all she did was read from two books in the elementary school libraries. Right. And uh, he tried to he silenced her by invoking the charter of, of rights. Yeah, I know they all do. They can repeatedly do that. The human rights. And that even happened last week at the meeting that uh, David Todor spoke at and that uh, Julia Malat spoke at when one, you know, lefty trustee who's been in office six terms and really shouldn't run. She's a terribly unsophisticated woman. She even talks like she's unsophisticated, desperately trying to be woke. Kathleen Woodcock, she actually stopped him in the middle of him reading a book from a school library, which invoked themes of rape and incest and said that what he was doing was against human rights. And he might ironically harm people who were listening. Well, what about people who are going to read the book? Exactly. Ah, unbelievable. All right, uh, Sue Ann, we'll take a quick time out. I want to get back to the um, uh, the Waterloo Region District School Board. And you mentioned Julia Malat. This is the uh, trans activist who's actually taking the parents' side and saying, no, parents must be consulted if, they're, if their children are talking about, uh, you know, transitioning and so forth. And we'll, uh, we'll hear about Scott Pietkowski 
um, the former chair of the Waterloo Region District School Board, how he reacted to a trans activist basically putting him in his place. Uh, back with more of our conversation right after these. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Sue Ann Levy stays with us, award-winning investigative reporter at uh, True North. Please support independent media, tnc.news, tnc.news. And uh, yesterday wrote a, a very uh, powerful piece. Parents stand up to school board's woke antics talking about uh, these woke trustees on the Waterloo Region District School Board and how they were left virtually speechless last week by a series of parents concerned with the board's policies on gender ideology and the age inappropriate books con- uh, contained in school libraries. And Sue Ann, you were talking about this uh, trans activist, uh, Julia Malott, and um, she, um, like many, an increasing number of parents, believe that the school has no right to keep um, these secrets from parents if their child, you know, has this desire to transition or be called by a different name or identifies as a boy when they're a girl. Um, and, and Julie Malott spoke at, at um, a school board meeting in support of the parents. How did Piotrkowski uh, handle this information coming from a trans activist? Well, uh, I'll, first I'll, I'll preface that by saying the question by saying that she actually spoke about her journey and that, you know, some that, that uh, studies have shown, and I've, I've read this before, that a, a lot of kids who are questioning uh, their gender um, often suffer from autism, borderline personality disorder, and other mental issues. And uh, I've seen that with uh, some of the people, uh, young kids or young teens who have had their um, breasts lopped off. Um, Many have obesity issues, that sort of thing. So she said, you know, parents need to know because these people uh, might need medical medical supports. They might need uh, psychological and psychiatric supports. Um, and if the parents don't know, how are they going to get them? And that's a very, and not everybody wants to, or in the end should transition. Well, Scott Piotrowski, Piotrowski said he has a number of friends in the trans community, and he would venture to say that her opinion doesn't reflect the most, the majority of the trans community. I mean, how arrogant of the guy. Uh, the guy is like an aging baby boomer who knows nothing about the transsexual um, in lifestyle, you know, not lifestyle, but the choices and, and the pain that people go through. It's like him saying to me, well, uh, you lived in the closet, but, uh, you know, uh, you don't know anything about LGBT issues. I mean, you know, <laughs> these guys are these people are so out to lunch and so woke and so radical. They don't, don't even think about what they say. Right. It's it's it reminds me of uh, Joe Biden telling a, an African-American, uh, if you don't vote Democrat, you're not black. So if you're a, a trans activist and you don't agree uh, and read from the proper script, you know, you're not a, you're not truly trans or something like that. Um do you have the sense, though, that now is this really starting to gain traction in in Waterloo the way it did, say, for example, in in Halton region with the Busty Lemieux case? 
Uh, perhaps not as out there because that was such an outrageous case. Of course, nothing's been done about the dress code policy there. But um, I, I think that these parents are starting to get the idea that if they keep showing up and keep hitting away and chipping away, it's a real uphill battle because these trustees, like they say the first thing that comes out of their mouth with no thought and, you know, and they intimidate, they try, to, they attack. He read, David Totter read for the book um, and uh, it was, uh, you know, he read a scene about uh, incest and it was horrible. And, you know, one of the trustees said, well, what is the context in which this book was written? You know, this passage was written. My goodness. You know, the theme is incest and it's in the school library. Another person tried to make him out to have no integrity whatsoever that he 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 didn't read the whole book. How terrible of him that he didn't read the whole book. I mean, this is what they do. They're so childish. It's incredible. Uh, and, and these are books that are available in the library that it would be available to uh, children as young as what, seven, eight? Well, this one he did admit is in high school libraries. Uh, that's not to say, I mean, when I looked up the book and, and read about uh, it, it said that this is a should be read or available to kids no less than 14, 14 and up. And I think 14 is still, it's got some very sophisticated themes in it. And maybe the world has changed from when I was 14, but I'm not sure that this sort of thing, reading about it, it's about a district court judge who is called identical. And it's about district court judge whose wife is in politics and who basically um, has sexual uh, intercourse with his seven-year-old daughter. Oh dear Lord! Yeah, and that's in their library. Yeah, I don't. I don't want a high school student reading that either. I don't no. think that's appropriate. Um, do you get the sense that these uh, trustees, these woke trustees at Waterloo Region, are they starting to get maybe a little nervous? I, I mean, I'm not s- suggesting that they, you know, they should be afraid of being physically harmed. God forfend that should happen. That would be wrong, of course. Uh, but are they getting a little worried that people in Waterloo parents are starting to wake up? Yes. And I think, I mean, they made a very poor choice. Scott Piatkowski and some of the others like Kathleen Woodcock. And I mentioned the names because they're in for public view. I urge your listeners to watch the meeting from last week. Um, they were responsible for selecting uh, a school board director, uh, Mr. Chanika, who I think has no, no background, absolutely no background to be an education director. He's an activist. And he's been leading the board down a very dangerous path, I think, in my view. Gosh, I wish we had recall legislation here the way they do in Alberta. Wouldn't that be great? Yes, it would be. Sue Ann, great job. Thank you, as always. You're welcome. Sue Ann Levy, investigative reporter at True North, author of Underdog, Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. All right, when we come back, we'll uh, speak with Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News about Roxham Road. Stay with us. APA Lawyers is one of Peel Region's most popularly rated law firms on Google, and we assist clients in a wide variety of legal services. Whether you're looking for a real estate lawyer to close your housing transaction or need a compassionate family lawyer who can help you get through a separation or divorce, KPA will have the right lawyer for you. KPA is not like some other law firms that just refer your case to another company. 
all of our legal services are performed in-house by our team of experienced and knowledgeable lawyers. Learn more and book an appointment online by visiting us at kpalawyers.ca. You can also call 905-965-6263 between 9am and 5pm Monday to Friday. Once again, our website is kpalawyers.ca and our phone number is 905-965-6263. Are you looking for a way to make a difference in your business? Check out your local Board of Trade or Chamber of Commerce. These community-based business organizations are positioned to help your business in many ways. They are the voice of business that advocate for you every day at all levels of government. They give you access to business associates, government officials, and a host of programs designed to boost your bottom line. For more information, call the Mississauga Board of Trade at 905-273-6151 or visit online at www.mbot.com. Some people look for a beautiful place while others make places beautiful. Alfieri Construction has been restoring houses and memories for 20 years in the GTA. They are your one-stop home renovation experts. They handle demolition, cleanup, and all the household trades to ensure your renovation is completed on time and on budget. Every home has a story. Let Alfieri Construction renovate yours. Contact Rob at robalfieri4 at gmail.com. That's Rob, A-L-F-I-E-R-I-4 at gmail.com. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right. By some estimates, about uh, 40,000 illegal migrants uh, crossed over into Canada, into Quebec on uh, Roxham Road. Uh, And last week, visiting U.S. President Joe Biden, Beijing, Joe Biden and our crime minister signed an agreement that would see Roxham Road closed. End of story, we thought. Perhaps not. Sheila Gunn-Reed is the Rebel News Alberta Bureau Chief and host of The Gun Show, seen Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on rebelnews.com. Sheila, welcome back. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. All right. So uh, what is what is going on at Roxham Road? I thought this was a done deal. They uh, they, they signed off on it. Biden and, and Trudeau last week. Uh, it's supposed to be closed. No. Yeah, it is supposed to be closed. We're sending journalists back to make sure that that is the case. I highly doubt it. What I think is interesting in all of this is apparently this deal was struck months ago. But uh, these two leaders decided to just put it on the shelf, not enact it for a little bit because they were waiting for a photo opportunity so that they could announce this magical deal together once Biden visited Ottawa. And in the meantime, Canadians are left picking up the tab for just a wide open border as we await the perfect moment for these two leaders to make the announcement. Uh, Yeah. And who knows how many? Well, uh when we say months, it was reached months ago. Yeah, as you say, how many? It was something like, well, I've heard about 39,000 or 40,000 crossed over at Roxham Road in, in 2022. Now, uh, it was supposed, to, they were supposed to be illegal migrants, but they, were, they weren't stopped. They were basically, what, loaded onto buses and, and driven to hotels and places like Quebec and Ontario. Um, what's... Uh, what's happening now? I mean, do we know, are they being, are they being turned away or do we have any, any indication uh, that they're, there's, they're being processed, let's say. 
Yeah, that that processed word is such a big catch all word for the federal government under the new rules, new rules, as though anything is remotely resembling the law being applied at Roxham Rope. But the feds are saying if you appear at Roxham Road, you will be turned away at the closest point of entry. But here's where this isn't really a closure of the road. It's just a redirect. Under the new announcement, they said that Canada will agree to take 15,000 migrants annually from the Western Hemisphere. What does that mean? (laughs) Does that mean Americans crossing the border? Mexicans? uh, Nicaraguans? uh, People from Haiti? What does that mean? But it said that Canada will agree to take 15,000 migrants at a regular point of entry. What do you think that means in the coming weeks and months to Pearson Airport Mm. or Trudeau International Airport? I think we're going to see a sudden influx of migration into these regular points of entry because people are going to want to be part of that first 15,000. And so we're just going to, I think, I'm predicting a bit of a stampede at Pearson, somehow making it worse than it already is at that airport. Critics, um, predictably, are saying that closing Roxham Road is going to create some sort of a humanitarian catastrophe. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah. From what? They, what? Where are these people fleeing from? Upstate New York? You know what they can do? Go back to New York City. New York City is a sanctuary city. There are progressive cities all over the United States patting themselves on the back saying, We're a sanctuary city. We won't turn anybody away. But if you're Mayor Eric Adams, you're not turning them away. You're just saying, here's a bus ticket. Hit the bricks and go to Quebec, which is what he's been doing now. Now, those progressive mayors, let's see just how progressive you really are. You want to prevent a humanitarian catastrophe? Great. You get to live up to your progressive credentials and start housing these people in your cities. You welcome them? Great. Now you take care of them. Exactly. Uh, so is the um, the Quebec government being pretty adamant they're not taking any more? Sounds that way. Um, I also saw over the weekend that uh, the mayor of Niagara Falls has said, look, we, we, we need a hard cap on how many people you are expecting us to house here because we can't do that. This we're approaching uh, tourism season. And one thing I discovered in some order papers that came out Friday was that the federal government has literally left the Niagara region holding the bag for this mess. So they're allowing people to come across the border or they were. We'll see in the coming days and weeks if the borders actually closed at Roxham Road. Do you really think they're going to be turning people away? I'm not convinced. Um, But they have transferred zero dollars to the Niagara region to deal with this. So while they might be the feds, they the feds footing the bill for the hotel rooms, There's all the other stuff that the municipality has to pick up the tab for language services. Then there's, you know, um, social services, how um, food, uh, the food banks. There's all this strain on the social system in the places where the feds are shipping the migrants off to. And literally zero dollars have been sent to the Niagara region since they started transferring migrants there at the end of June 2022. 
Well, that sounds like the real catastrophe mm-hmm. rather than closing rocks and roads. Sheila Gunn-Reed is the Alberta Bureau Chief for Rebel News and host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, rebelnews.com, rebelnews.com. Sheila, thank you as always. Thanks so much, Richard. All right. That's it for me. That's it for the uh, this Monday edition of The Boring Show. Nothing to see here, folks. Just common sense, objective reality, two sexes, two genders, impossible medical scientific impossibility to change your sex. Carbon dioxide is a miracle molecule. It's a nutrient that makes life on this planet possible. You see, that's what we talk about. Nothing controversial. The Boring Show. And The Boring Show continues uh, tomorrow. That's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. Again, I will be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Tuesday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. A bold approach to engineering. At Bowling Green State University, our engineering degrees fuse the science of traditional engineering with technology and hands-on skills. This combination is what employers are looking for in the up-and-coming fields of robotics, advanced manufacturing, and systems engineering. It's why our graduates find jobs and why BGSU stands out. Don't just get a degree. Secure your future at BGSU.